0: Dip which is welcome in Vietnamese. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted podcast, everybody. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the host of the podcast and the creator of Daddy Unscripted. Again, I welcome you guys in a different language every episode to give you a little something, a little extra nugget of knowledge from each episode. So that's why I greeted you in Vietnamese. I will also learn with you and help teach you how to say farewell at the end of the episode. I'm very excited to have you all here for the second half of my conversation with Jason Ronk. Originally slated to just be one large episode, it just, it needed to be cut into two halves, and this, no two halves is greater than the whole, is that, I don't even know if that's a thing, it sounds like a saying, maybe it isn't, but each half is equally important of this conversation, but it just, it worked to segment them into two different halves. So here you have it, Aha! the second half of the conversation. But before we get too deep into it, I'm going to tell you a little bit about another podcast by Osiris Media, one that just recently came out on January 15th. It's called 36 from the vault. It's a new grateful dead podcast featuring Stephen Hyden and Rob Mitchum. And they are talking all about the 36 dicks picks, not dick picks, everybody dicks picks. The Grateful Dead vault releases that came out, and they're going into each one individually. Episode one is already out and ready for you, but let me play you their little trailer that they have, and I'll tell you a little bit more afterwards. Take a step back,
1: take another step back, take another step back.
0: Welcome to 36 from the vault a tape-by-tape journey through the Grateful Dead's 36-volume Dick's Pick series. I'm Stephen Hayden, And I'm Rob Mitchum. We're two music writers who love the Dead and love live albums. We especially love deep dives into the archives of beloved classic rock bands. From 1993 to 2005, the Grateful Dead began releasing the first trickle of music from its legendary vault, featuring shows selected from across all eras by Dead archivist and superfan In each episode, we'll talk about one volume of the Dix Picks series, discussing the context of when the show was recorded and released, how it holds up today, and anything else that comes to mind. We invite you to listen to each volume, then join us for a freewheeling conversation about the greatest, weirdest, most unprofessional American band of all time, and the series that captured them best. So join us on 36 from the Vault, brought to you by Osiris. Oh, and of course, please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I hope I know not everybody is gonna be into this, but but you should be. You should be. And you can check it out by going to Osirispod.com backslash 36. All the podcasts are there at OsirisPod.com. You can also listen to mine there. You can listen to all of the other great Osiris Media podcasts right there at OsirisPod.com. So now that we have done that part of the business, let me get you back into this episode with Jason Ronk. Let me just get you guys into it by including this segment from the original intro to the single episode that pertains more to this section of the podcast. I will say Jason and I have been talking about recording this episode for a little while and I think we're probably going to do it maybe a matter of a month ago or something like that. And then which fits perfectly with our conversation and with a lot of the things that Jason kind of says in here and also believes and holds truly. And I will say that I am right alongside him with that of things happen for a reason of timing is something sometimes not that we don't have control of it. Oh, man, I'm going to get a little deep here already in the intro. I don't think we don't have control over things because things happen for a reason. I absolutely 100% believe that you can't just sit around and things are going to happen to you. You have to make these things happen still. But they do happen for a reason. And Jason and I didn't record earlier for an amazing reason. And it was so that he could tell this story about his interaction recently with Trey from Fish, And that story is in this episode. With all of that said, let's get to part two of my conversation with Jason Ronk that just kind of, it is a segment of the bigger conversation, but... If you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen, but this really is kind of a brand new section of the conversation, so even if you listened to it a couple of days ago or whatever, you'll be okay checking out this section. With that said, here's Jason Ronk. Okay, so you are young and in high school and then you are take us through to your stepping out of your bubble whether that is right after graduation or what you were talking yeah, about when you're
1: 19 it was so i grew up so i had the same i dated the same girl all through high school i think after my sophomore year i met she was a freshman and i was a sophomore and so i had that high school sweetheart kind of thing small town stuff and so that kept me and it wasn't the healthiest of relationship looking back on it, but, you know, I don't think any, very few people could look at a high school high relationship. School. Say, yeah, exactly. Say, exactly. Yeah. I don't. I think if our parents would have said, if we had gone to our parents and said, I think we need to go to counseling, I think they would have been like, <laughs> I think you just need to chill out. That's what you need to do. Yeah.
0: Maybe just break up. Yeah,
1: just break up. So I did that. And and uh, I remember like my sophomore year, no, it was my junior year, between my junior and senior year, I started to get that. I just started to grow up a little bit, you know, like I'm no Mm -hmm. longer just high school athlete. I'm kind of, I know high school is coming in and college is going to come. So I started experimenting with what every kid does, like smoking a little bit of pot and started drinking a little bit. And, um, I was very conscious of drinking though, because alcoholism was pretty prevalent in my family and I was very aware of it. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to drink. And so I did and I drank like one time and I think once or twice, before I turned 19 and I enjoyed it, but I knew I was like, okay, I am not going to do this because this is, this is not good, but I'll just smoke pot every day. So, um, Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed it, but I think looking back on it, it was a really, I don't know. I don't believe that. I think everything kind of happens for a reason. And, I'm never gonna look down on any drug, whether it's alcohol, pot, maybe cocaine and heroin. That's I don't. I've never seen a lot of laughter involved with those two drugs. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the big difference. But so I started smoking pot, and this whole different world opened up. Like I remember going to a friend's house my senior year of high school, and like he he I literally put the record on Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and like awesome. changed my life instantly. I'm like, <laughs> not only do I love this, but something inside of me registered like I want to be a musician and um Mm -hmm. so then i got into floyd zeppelin and then graduated high school still you know seeking music more the beatles became like really huge in my life like like Mm -hmm. and even today looking back on that thinking about what those guys did in that short period of time is musically astonishing just mind-boggling but um yeah so just went to college my freshman year didn't do good i didn't have really a big interest in school so, by the end of my freshman year, I was like, "You know maybe school's not for me right now, but I remember that fall of nineteen ninety four I went to a friend a guy named Mike Crowley, went to his dorm room, and um his girlfriend there was like, "Hey, you he were like, Hey, have you ever heard of the band Fish?" And I'm like, "No, nope, never heard of them. and she goes, "Here, listen to this," and she put on the hoist album, and the first and the song that came mm-hmm. on was uh." Julius, like, and I'm like, instantly, I'm like, what the what is this? And then Trey's guitar playing all this, so I instantly that was like the next musical thing. Like, and this is before I'd even I I hadn't even heard the Grateful Dead yet, so this is fall of '94. Mm -hmm. Um, really got so I went and bought all the Fish albums and super fell in love with Fish and then broke up with that high school girlfriend after she graduated. She was gonna go to college, and I didn't want anything to do with being in a relationship at that time. And, uh, so I guess my really branching out was as soon as that relationship ended, that was early June of 95. Like we somehow got tickets to see the, go to see the dead in Chicago. And, uh, and I, by then I'd heard a few dead songs and, um, went to soldier field in 95. And, uh, I remember walking over the parking from our parking spot. No, we parked in the city and then we, we actually had to take like a cab down, but walking over this bridge into Soldier Field Park, and then I heard like the like, mm. like, tribally, something inside of me went like, What is this? And we walk over, and there's like a drum circle of like 400 people, on this smoke wafting. Oh, like, the, the, you know how it is. Yeah. The whole oh, the yeah. circus was in town. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm like, I found my people. I found them. I've been looking my whole life. I finally found you guys. And um, I had no clue what it was, but I knew I fit. And, uh, we went through the parking lot and had a blast and went into the show and the music was great and, I, and the whole community of it. I mean, if you go back and listen to those last dead shows, even like the last night, like the music was okay. Jerry wasn't all there. Yeah. Like the so many roads and black muddy river was just makes you cry. If you go back and listen to it now, because yeah, you know, it was his last show, but, um, but that's just that community of people and it was there and I felt it. And then, um, then it went away immediately. And finally, I remember my freshman year of college, a guy named Brian Heinold had told me, hey, I know, he goes, I just got back from UIC in Chicago. This is summer 94. He goes, I just went to these shows and like, go see, go see Fish. And this was, I think this this was even before my friend's girlfriend had uh, turned me on. I'm like, I don't know who they are. So it's kind of a mm-hmm. blur, but so anyway, 95. So I met those two girls, um, Libra and Julie, <laughs> At uh,
0: Libra. Libra. dude. Awesome. And
1: you know what? She, this girl, <laughs> no shit, man. She, um, was such an angel. She's a sweetheart, but she is like some big wig in the music scene in new Orleans. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's like curator of her family were lawyers and she, you know, she was, you know, doing what we all do at dead shows. I mean, she was yeah. in a sane frame of mind. Maybe she was, but yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> was the like the curator and director of the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival for years and now oh, Yeah, she's awesome. like uh Yeah, she's a big wig down there. <laughs> anyway, so I went down to visit them. The Jerry died and I went down there, like, oh, you know, Jerry and had a great time and and I said, Hey, that band Fish is playing up by playing in where I'm living in, in uh October, if you guys want to come up and they're like, Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll go back and buy tickets. So I remember going to like the local department store where the Ticketmaster
0: booth was. Oh, yeah, Ticketmaster.
1: Yeah, and I bought, like, three tickets to see fish, and it was, like, 60 bucks for three tickets.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I called them back and said, hey, they're playing. This is how ignorant I was. I said, hey, they're playing, like, really close to here in Lincoln, Nebraska, the night before. You want to want to go to that show? And they're like, yeah. So I bought those tickets, and, like, I didn't know Lincoln, oh, Lincoln, Nebraska is like, nine hours away. <laughs> so they, they drove up from Alabama, stayed at my place. And we drove to Lincoln, Nebraska. My first show was ten twenty one ninety five, Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. We were like three or four people deep, and from then on, I mean, I still, man, I don't know. Maybe you're the same way. Like, play Wharf Rat for me, or play, you know, Broke Down Palace. Like, I, I'll literally, mm-hmm. I'll get to like, especially Robert Hunter passing away re- recently. Like, I really do believe. I mean, I love fish, and fish will always be my favorite band but as far as like importance of american music there's no band that has come out of the united states that is more important than the grateful dead mm-hmm. you know there are here, here and there's no songs that that were written that can compare to what the dead did robert hunter and garcia and all those guys and but there it is that community that same community was in though it was different it was still there with fish and i found that and ended up we went to the next night show. I was like, this is great. The music was phenomenal. Like just blew me away. And then, um, dove into fish and ended up going down to Atlanta that fall for the three shows at the Omni. No, not at the Omni at the, um, the Fox theater in Atlanta. So they played there. I think they played there the ninth, 10th and 11th. And we, um, I found out that, uh, my sister-in-law, the girl I watched, it's like a Ferris Bueller thing. Um, the girl I walked down the aisle at my brother and sister in law's wedding. Her name was Jill. Her little brother um, was Fish's caterer. Like had been a no caterer way. for like three, two years. And wow. was Penny, my sister, I was like, "Hey, do you, mom said do you like that band Fish." I'm like, "Yeah, I just saw them. They're great." She goes, um, "Well, I just got a phone call from Johnny, Jill's brother, and like he's in town and he works for them as their caterer." And like he's called and said he wants to go out to dinner tonight, and we're going to dinner with the band. Um, I'm, I'm about drop the phone. I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you <laughs> Full of shit. Like, no, yeah. she goes. And if you want to come down, we can go to the shows if you want to go. And and like I said, I'm, I'm on my way. And we went down there.
0: Yeah,
1: I went down there and went backstage, and and so that proceeded to happen for till nineteen till two thousand. You know, wow. Went to probably a hundred and a little less about a hundred shows before they went on hiatus in 2000 and backstage wow. probably 80% of them crazy <laughs> expanding my horizons yeah I ended up working at a brew. ended up not going back to school I went to Cincinnati got a job as an apprentice brewmaster and I worked for Sam Adams at, at the age of 20 oh, and cool. was a brewmaster by 21 and ran my own little brewery and my parents were proud of me my dad was proud of me taking kegs of beer back to Thanksgiving and yeah, great job for a uh, budding alcoholic. Put it that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was, yeah.
1: dude. I brewmaster, the kingdom.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, I did, dude. I was, I had. That was my I had made it moment. I had arrived. Was mm-hmm. here is Jason, the guy who's you know we didn't know what he was going to do, and now he's a brewmaster. He's twenty two years old and like really making something of himself. And um, yeah, it just it's a train wreck. It, it turned into a train wreck, but. uh, Yeah, but that's how I got to go backstage at Fish. It was like uh, I would just Johnny would be like, "Hey, you know, we're just show up with beer or whatever. Just show up." Mm -hmm. (laughs) So ended up getting hooked up with Brad Brad Sands, their their old road manager, and uh, yeah, that guy was crazy. We could do a whole podcast about how crazy that guy was. (laughs) But uh, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun, and that that. That all came full circle this past weekend, too, which was really special and neat. I'll share that with you later. But uh, yeah, so yeah, budding alcoholic through my 20s and started doing coke and partying too much, and that became part of the fish thing, too. And yeah, I floundered for a long time, man, probably from 25 to 37, 36. Yeah, I, I was just bounced from here to there. Wow. You know, alcoholic, active alcoholic, and uh, you know, that would take way too long to go into just ugliness and going to jail and losing jobs and
0: God. trying
1: to get sober and staying sober and not staying sober and
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then uh it all culminated on July fifth. I'd been sober for a while before I met my wife, but I I think there's like two parts of my life, like that part and like my life really began. On July 5th of uh, 2014, when I met my wife at a Starbucks and uh, we went on a date hmm. and uh, she wasn't my wife then, obviously we went on a date and I told my, I called my mom on the way home from that date. And I said, I just met your future daughter-in-law and my wife wow. was like, no way. And I said, yeah, I did. And I had, and I did. And
0: that one moment wow. I knew. So-, so before that. Like all those times that you were trying to get sober and not doing it, do you feel like the intent was not meaningful enough? Like the drive, there was nothing to like incentivize you or you weren't getting away from it or what do you think was kind of going on?
1: That is a great question. You know, it's – I think yes and I think no. I think I really did want to stay sober, but I think I would get Mm – you know, there's this whole, um, realm of sobriety of, so I go to a 12 step fellowship. It's if you want to find it, it's in the front of the, the yellow pages. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. you can pick up on that. Um, but there's this whole realm of inside of sobriety, like, you know, media makers make it like 90 meetings in 90 days. And those are great things, but there's no, there was nobody that really. You know the basis of that twelve step program started in 1939 with this book that showed you how to get sober and stay sober and how to work the mm-hmm. steps in like clear cut directions. And I was I was never in front of anybody that that was really doing that. I was just in front of you know people that said if you make a meeting every day you'll never drink again and you know meeting makers make it and kind of like not very into that you know that book that really gets you dialed into to the spiritual path and until I had that but. I didn't recover but the whole thing too is like it was kind of meant to i was kind of meant not to be <laughs> sober mm-hmm. you know it's just like it's just kind of weird and i was talking to rj about that today is like there's these things that happen in life that that in the moment are catastrophes and you feel like your world is going to end and you feel like how can it get any worse and like And then life kind of comes back online and you you move to the next part of life. But looking back in hindsight, it's like I had these little pushes and nudges of the universe to get me to where I needed to be, to meet that one person I was supposed to meet, to have these two beautiful kids in this life that's really beyond a dream today. So I don't look back on it and think, I try not to look back on it. And that's what, it's funny, even Trey said that when I met him on Friday. He's like, don't worry about all that you know, cause in, my sponsor lives in Texas and down there, they call it, you have a sobriety mm-hmm. date, you know, the day you really got sober and then, but you yeah, have mm-hmm. a been around date. Like how long you been around? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I shared that with Trey, he started laughing. I'm like, yeah, I got a been around date. He goes, I oh, forget about the been around <laughs> date. Cause it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, I learned a lot of good stuff in that time and, the, but it really just got me to where I finally, you know, yeah, I finally surrendered and said, you know, having a wife, is something I want and having a family. This is, this is going to happen. And for me to keep this, I can't drink anymore. And if I do drink again, I'm going to die. I have family members that died mm-hmm. from this and doing other hard drugs. Like it's going to take me out. And I saw that and I thought, okay, this life that I really want is, is worth putting all this to the side. But I also realized that I, not only do I need to put it to the side and kind of get away from it, but I need help every single day, you know, yeah. stay dialed into that or else I will again. So it's, um, you know, so it really is a daily thing, like getting up every morning to pray and meditate, um, meeting sponsorship, all that kind of stuff is a daily thing. It's a, it's a discipline that I really enjoy and, and, uh, spiritually, you know, tr- I'm always trying to grow. Um, but for guys like me, it's just not saying, okay, that's enough. I'll, I'll step away from it. I've had my fair share because I did that for years and, it, and just, you know, you could hooked me up to a lie detector test and, and ask me if I, uh, Hey Jason, do you think you'll ever drink, drink again or or do cocaine again? And I'd, I'd have been like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And, and the lie detector <laughs> yeah. test would have said, you know, you're right.
0: <laughs> He's going to do it. No, He doesn't believe no, it. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. No, he won't ever do it again. But two weeks later, it's like. Well, that lie detector test wasn't true because here he is again right. at the bar yeah. spending his whole paycheck. and But it all led me to that moment to meet her. So I can't, I wouldn't change any of it, man. And not one bit, not one minute of
0: it. Yeah. And that's part of that thing, like where in life we have these things that we drive toward and the difficulties and everything make you that much more aware of the I mean to say it dumbly the awesomeness of what you have now like I think that potentially helps you and I'm totally putting words into your mouth right now but potentially helps you stick to it that much more because you have been through that as opposed to like not going through that and not really recognizing the you know, it's the, you can't have the light without the dark.
1: Mm, yeah, you're hundred percent right. And that's the, and that's where like the gratitude of being a good father comes from. And like the wanting to, you know, I don't want to be a better dad than my dad. I don't want to be a better dad than my stepdad. I just want to be the dad that my children need me to be today and take what they yeah. gave me and what other resources I've had to learn how to be a dad and use them. But I think that a lot of the gratitude that I get to be know somebody people wouldn't trust me with a $20 bill to go to the store you know but now my wife and the world has trusted me to raise two children on my own every day and it's like and they don't worry about it they they know everything's going to be good and these kids are having a very unique experience like okay this is when the days get rough and hard like getting to step back and say life could be a whole lot different right now than it is not for Mm -hmm. the good but for the bad (laughs) like you know, yeah. and that's, um, and that's what, when I got to see Trey on Friday, that's what that whole conversation was about, you know, and it was pretty, it's pretty special.
0: So go right into that. Like, I, I think it makes sense to, for you to share what led up to that and how that all came, yeah. came to be and
1: yeah, go for it. It was so it all, I guess what kind of made it able to happen was that I had been, you know, Trey doesn't know my name, knew my face. Like I could tell he knew Mm -hmm. my face, but you know, in the, in that circle, at the Betty Ford clinic backstage and all that stuff, that kind of was a unique thing. And I'll always treasure that. But so we did the podcast with RJ and Matt in January of this year, uh, with another guy named Mike, who's been sober for quite a while too, um, about recovering the fish community. And I'd reached out to RJ during the summer of uh 2018 when Trey was doing like the the Soul Planet and all these songs that mm, I, could, mm-hmm. I could really hear like I wasn't hearing a cheesy dad rock song I was hearing you know a man in recovery who's just spiritually like like man that guy's like growing like these are all songs about love and light like spirit so I reached out to RJ mm-hmm. just to email I hadn't gotten his I'd never talked to him before and uh I think I DM'd him on Twitter and he sent me his email and I said, Hey, you know, explain who I am a little bit of the backstory and uh, said, Hey, I'm a recovered alcoholic and, and, in sobriety and this and that. And I, what I hear in Trey's songs is this, cause I know Trey is also in recovery and RJ like, yeah, that's, you know, kind of bit into it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe we could do a podcast about it. And I said, Oh, anytime you want to, that sounds great. So and this was like in June or July during that summer tour and nothing, we'd communicate a little bit back and forth and I kept, and I wasn't bugging him about it, but I just kept dropping him emails every now and then. Hey, you know, you know I think it'd be a lot of fun to do this. Fans might really like it. So mm-hmm. it finally came to fruition. And uh, you can hear on the podcast where RJ is like, yeah, you gave me this uh, this idea last summer. And I said, yeah, I finally beat you in a state of submission. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, And that's how this whole story probably culminates, of beating Patrick Jordan into a state of submission so anyway we did that and patrick i think patrick jordan who's trey and fish's manager he listened to it and uh sent tom and our tom marshall and rj an email and said you know i listen to your podcast but i don't always listen to them all the way through but this one i found myself literally listening to all of it i couldn't stop listening to it mm-hmm. gave me and mike the other guy that did it just you know thumbs up and kudos and said hey i you know i experienced fish too through sober lenses even though i'm not I'm not an alcoholic or an addict and don't need to go that route. But, you know, being their manager, he's sobered every show and, (laughs) um, just the community and just gave us kind of kudos about it. And I, um, I said, oh, cool. That's awesome. That's the best attaboy you can get. And, um, then I started to think like, you know, it would be so nice to reconnect with, with, uh, with Trey, whether it's through this or that or whatever. And I just had this thought in my head that I can, you know, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. I said, you know, mm-hmm. can you get me in contact with Patrick and give him my email or see if he'll give me his? And and they said, yeah, he's, he's open to talking to you. So I, over the past, since probably late January to um, mid-summer, when it kind of came into to fruition that it was going to be able to happen. So we, we tried to make it happen over summer at like Alpine, because I was going to go to the Alpine show. But summer tour is super busy. And then I said, hey, I got a ticket to the Milwaukee show. He said, "Yeah, the acoustic solo is a lot, lot easier to navigate.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah, a
1: lot." So he said, "I can't guarantee you anything, but I could probably make something happen there." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So in that time, I had talked to my sponsor down in Texas, and he's a he's a book binder by trade. He was a uh, book restorer, did book restorations for museums and artifacts over the world for the last like thirty years. But now he's retired. Mm. He does book binding. He'll take these beautiful, you know. Um, recovery books, you know, and he binds them with leather, and it will put the person's name on it and sobriety date, and the color they want, and all that. So I said, "Hey, why don't we make Trey one?" And uh, he said, "Yeah, we can do that." And so we tried to get one that matched the color of his uh, his Koa guitar, and got this cognac leather book for him, and it has his name on it and sobriety, and I sent a picture of it to Patrick, and Patrick was like, "Wow, that's absolutely beautiful," and the sobriety dates a an incredible touch and such and such. And he said, okay, let's, we're going to make this happen. So he said, do you have a ticket? And I said, I do have a ticket, but, uh, I did the number one thing a husband probably shouldn't do. And that's, I, I booked this on my wife's birthday weekend. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, see, selfish and self-centeredness. I wouldn't think anything yeah. about her, <laughs> about what I want, damn it. So, um, he's like, well, get rid of your ticket. I'll get you two tickets. And I'm like, whoa, are you sure? And he's like, so anyway, um, so we had two tickets waiting on us. And I, I'd gotten on Twitter and hopped on Twitter and, uh, said, you know, is there any Osiris? Cause we invested in Osiris during that first round of the seed invest. Um, so mm-hmm. we've, you know, um, been investors and part of this. And I said, is there any Osiris investors that that want to go to the Milwaukee show? that don't have a ticket. You know, this is free to you. And it, it got, it got sent around. Nobody, you know, I, nobody bid on it. So this other woman named Amy said, Hey, I'm in Milwaukee. I have a ticket for my husband, myself, and my husband wants to go. He doesn't have a ticket. I said, All right, here. This ticket's for you. You can have it. So yeah. she met up and got the nice. ticket. But, uh, so we go and we're driving up there last Friday. And Patrick, you know, I'm emailing him and he says, Hey, meet me at the, you know, at the Riverside, meet me at the theater at 4 15, between 4 15 and 4 30. I'm like, Okay. So we go get checked into our Airbnb and, um, head down to the theater and park and all that stuff. And we're right there. I'm texting him. And he said, yeah, I'm right here. So I, there he is. And I, I knock on the door and this, this <laughs> usher opens the door. And goes, goes, can I help you? And I go, yeah, I'm here to see Patrick Jordan. And he goes, Patrick, who? <laughs> I go, That guy. And Patrick's like, Hey, he's with me. And he got us in and we had some, um, so in their first, like right after that first round of the Seed Invest, anyway, um, one of the coffee houses in Chicago, Passion House. Oh, yeah. Which I couldn't believe it when Passion House signed up to, to sponsor Osiris because they're my favorite. I'm one of my favorite in the world. Like, these,
0: oh, really? these guys are oh, that's incredible. Perfect.
1: So, anyway, I'd met up with uh, Josh Millman. I met him that Wednesday and I said, hey, I'm going to Milwaukee. And I'd bought a bunch of the Cadillac Rainbows that, that they did. Um, and it's so good. I bought a bunch. I, I mailed Tom a bag and I got a bag for RJ still sitting somewhere. I got to yeah. get to him. But anyway, I met him up at his coffee shop and he said, Hey, here, this is a bag you know, of Cadillac rainbows for Trey. And, and I go, well, g- give me a, I go, I want to give Patrick a, a thank you too. He's like, Oh, absolutely. So he gave me a bag of the Millie Grace. So yeah, I walked up there and I had a bag He said, Hey Patrick, this is for you. And he's like, oh thank you I go you drink coffee right he's like yeah I drink coffee like, so I <laughs> had a bag of Patrick for Patrick the Millie Grace and then the Cadillac Rainbows for Trey and um, so this is where it gets incredible so he's like okay I think Trey's done sound checking or he's finishing up so you know we're gonna go in the theater just kinda you need to be quiet I'm like alright so we walk in and the, the sound guy and the lighting guy are right there and they're farting around on their phones and Patrick's like is he done and he's like yeah he's done he's been done for a little bit like, Pat's like, oh, okay. So he sh- he's like, come on. So we go down to the bottom of the theater. And he's like, just have a seat here. I'll be right back. I got to get him before he meditates. And I'm like, like, all right, cool. So we're sitting there and I'm looking around this beautiful theater talking to my wife. And she's like, are you nervous? I'm like, nah, I'm not nervous. I'm like, this is just a, you know, this is cool. This is neat. It's, I, you know, I'm not a fan yeah. boy. I've I kind of been with the guy before. It's no big deal. But it's just neat. It's, he's sober now. I'm sober. So it's just right. going to be cool. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's, I think it's going to be cool. So uh, so we sit down, and uh, all of a sudden, the lights dim down, and Trey walks out on stage and sits down, and uh, the spotlight goes on him, and he picks up his guitar and plays Pebbles and Marbles. and
0: uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh,
1: to me and my wife. I'm sitting there holding my wife's hand, <laughs> and he's... And he plays pebbles and marbles from front to back, right in front of us. And uh, wow, I'm like, holy cow! And then, <laughs> yeah, stops that and uh, goes right into that new song from Ghost of the Forest, friend. Uh,
0: oh my god, I would have fallen and just melted. Yeah,
1: I look over; my wife's never heard either one of these songs, and she's like, "Oh really?" Like these that that well of tears at the bottom of her eyes, and I am I got goosebumps. Yeah. So I'm like. In the moment, I'm like, wow, these are two real random songs to sound check right now. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. So he gets done and gets up and stands up, and the lights go back up. And I'm like, yeah, I go, you didn't know you had uh, an audience, did you? And he looks out and he starts laughing and comes around <laughs> and, uh, yeah, hey, Mr. Anastasio. He's like, hey, I go, yeah, Jason. I go, yeah, yeah. And he's like, this is my wife, Jenny. Sure. And he's, oh, so he immediately goes into asking us questions about us. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. not like, Hey, you know, tell me all you, you know, ask me all the questions you want to know about me. Like,
0: right. Yeah. I
1: couldn't get a word in edgewise. He's talked to my wife and talking to me and but the conversation went right to what this whole podcast is about is about how grateful he is and how grateful I am. And he gave very specific examples of to be sober and to be a father and watch your children grow up and be a participant, not just a sideline participant, but really be a participant in their life and be there. He said to be there for his daughter's, you know, middle school, graduation, high school, graduation, and then college. And mm-hmm. be there for his children and, and that they haven't seen him intoxicate. And they, even though he got sober when they were at the age, they could have known they never really knew about it too much. And he said, and you have that opportunity. You're, your son's four and your daughter's one they've never seen it they don't have to and uh and then he asked my wife it was so funny like he's like aren't you aren't you grateful that your husband is not just like he's physically sober but he's this you know he's trying to walk this spiritual path and he's trying to be a good man and I'm looking at her and i and he's i'm like are you grateful for that <laughs> she's like oh absolutely hell yeah i'm like i've never thought to ask you this I'm like, she goes, yeah, she goes, his pride and ego and selfish and, you know, it can rear up every now and then she goes, but you know, he gets away, he gets, you know, past it pretty quick and can work through it. And one of the points that was made is that when I do, when I, cause I do, I mean, there's times where ah, you know, I'm just, just another bozo on the bus sometimes. And I step on the toes of my wife and mm-hmm. she, for some reason retaliates, you know, I don't know why, but, um, <laughs> but instead of just saying you know i'm sorry i made you mad you know it's like no here's what i did i know this was inappropriate i apologize for this and you reacted this way and if i wouldn't have done you know so it's a very you know heartfelt apology and it's also acknowledgement of my here's what i did and yeah and he and it was so cool and talking to her and you know and talking about his sponsor and his grand sponsor and just recovery stuff. And I showed him the book and he said, Oh, this is so cool. I'll... And it was like, very like received the gift very lovingly. Like, Oh, I'll honor and cherish mm-hmm. this. And he goes, Oh look, it's got my name on it. And he goes, Oh look, it's got my sobriety date. And he's like, he's like, I better not go back out. Huh? I'm like no. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of laughs, man. I showed him a picture of my daughter or a video of my daughter dancing to a sea of stars. And, um, uh, yeah told him about my son's favorite songs harry hood and he's like all right well go home and tell him it's about where does uh where does the little guy in the milk container go in the lights when he when you close the refrigerator door <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then gave him the coffee and he knew about the cadillac rainbows the the contest and all that huh. and, um,
0: oh, that's cool
1: yeah but it was neat and it's like i'm coming home from that and i'm thinking okay i'm doing this thing with wheaton we're gonna do this daddy unscripted and and I just had this experience with Trey about being a father, and he played the song "Pebbles and Marbles." It was written by Tom Marshall about his daughter, and then the song "Friend" about his friend Chris. And and I'm sitting there with my wife, like being married. I adore my wife, but sometimes marriage can be, you know, can be not difficult, but it's a marriage. It's like,
0: yeah. And the yeah. real
1: thing doesn't come along, and that's what that song's about. Like, you, you know, sometimes you don't realize what you got, you know, and that song in that moment reminded me that through the ups and downs of my marriage with my wife, which there's not a lot of downs, but it's just two humans trying to coexist together. And it's like, we really do have something that's incredibly special. And I, I often wander from the the specialness that we have. And it just kind of brought it all back to that moment. And then, you know, driving mm-hmm. home from that back to Chicago. And it's like, all right, this is really cool. This is, this was meant to be this way. And it was different than what I thought it was going to be. And, Um, Then I had this thought about Osiris and Osiris came into my mind with RJ and Tom and me trying to to help out and do whatever I can with Osiris. And I thought, you know, Osiris is going to be just fine. It's doing good stuff. They're doing great stuff. It's going to be what it is and it's going to be successful and it's going to be successful in a different way than anybody within Osiris probably thinks it's going to be. It's going to be something yeah. on the left field that's going to come out of nowhere it's going to land right in our laps and it's going to be here it is
0: yeah it's been crazy and and all of those things like the connection of all of mm-hmm. it and just like you said where your life has led you to and each of the things that i think many people would or could look back on with regret and everything And Kind of like what you were saying, Trey, telling you not to look at things in a certain way, I think having the ability to acknowledge and not discard our past and be able to see it for what it is and recognize it because otherwise, A, you go down your life path continuing to make a bunch of the same mistakes but also yes for embracing what you have right now and being able to recognize that for the goodness that it is yeah absolutely and that's one of the one of the things in that the book that I gave him that
1: that's our our key piece of literature that we work out of is that it, one of the promises there's a lot of promises in this book and one of them that people really if if you can understand this promise and it says it two places in the book it says we will not regret the past nor wish to uh, close the door on it, shut the door on it. Like my past, Mm -hmm. and it says it further on in another chapter, that cling to the thought that the dark past in God's hands is your greatest asset. With it, you can avert death and misery for others. It's like, so those years I flounder, like you asked, you know, no, man, I learned so much stuff in those years of trying to scrape Mm -hmm. it up, dude. I mean, I sponsor a lot of guys and watched a lot of guys recover and, and and started some meetings and like my whole life revolves around recovery and my relationship with my creator and everything stems from that. And I'm not perfect at it. There's days where I fail miserably, but there's days where I succeed um, handsomely, but it really does revolve around that. And that bag of bullshit that I went through and put my family through today, I get to go to my mother's, my stepmother who I've known since I was, five years old in my dad's house and see my dad who just had back surgery and he's hurting and, and to be there for him in that moment mm. and tell my stepmother about what happened last Friday. Cause she knows my past and she was there for the wreckage and, and tell her that we got to sit down with Trey and he played these two songs and watch her like well up with tears, like to see that her stepson, pretty much her son is living this life of service for others and that you know, and, and the whole conversation with her started like my niece and nephew are flying up from Atlanta for Thanksgiving and she's like, so Penny said, you're going to go to the airport on Tuesday to get him and bring him down here and all that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go get him and do that. She goes, why are you going to do that? I'm like, well, that's just the right thing to do. Why wouldn't I do that mm-hmm. for my niece and nephew to, you know, mm-hmm. the more I've, and this isn't like putting it on a pedestal, but the more inconvenient something is sometimes, the more it means I got to go do it. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you know because it's the right thing to do to get my niece and nephew m- my brother's kind of struggling with some drinking stuff and not as reliable as we would like him to be um like i can be the one they lean on you know it's like this mm-hmm. is nuts and i'll happily do it because you know selfishly too on a little level not selfishly but i you know i get a benefit out of it i get to feel connected to everybody else around me and then to bring smiles and joy and, and all that stuff. And that's why it kind of boils down to, to the Osiris thing is like, if you do good deeds, good things will come of it and you're doing the right thing for the right reason. And I said this to RJ, it's like when one door closes, another one always opens, but sometimes it can be hell in the hallway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it can be real uncomfortable in that hallway, but that uncomfortability and you said it too, if life was easy, man then it wouldn't be beautiful <laughs>
0: yeah you wouldn't, yeah, get,
1: it's so you wouldn't true. get to experience the joys of of all that you know so
0: wow man like that whole the journey that you've been through and just what you're saying right there like the and and we didn't get into and we didn't need to but all the specifics of it because you you lived it you know it your family knows it, the people around you know it and all of the people that you are affecting and changing and helping now on a daily basis in the little things that you're doing but also like I, I know that people who listen to this podcast a lot probably are like oh we know what you're gonna say but Seriously, like, the number of people that then in turn changes, like, and this sounds really weird, but you are helping build more use out mm. there. N- not the sheep, mm. but um, more Jason Ronks who are going to go out and help other Jason Ronks that are going to help other Jason Ronks. And these are those things like you were talking about with our kids, why it's going to be potentially two generations that are going to have to work really hard to turn this thing around, however this tipping point that we're on now goes. But they have the, as you said, they are awoken. We have all been to some level awoken to something. And... There are so many people out there who are getting this kind of thing from uh, or this sentiment from somebody like you who is changing things, who is um, making legitimate decisions of potentially raging against something that's not so easy and spreading that love to a whole bunch of other people. And it goes on and on and on. So it does.
1: It does, and it's. But the thing about it is, too, is that, that we see is that the the one thing that's that we always miss is the one thing in front of us. You know, the, it's all all good ideas are very simple, and and love and connectiveness that we're all universally connected is so simple that it's right in front of our faces, and we miss it. I call it the Uber effect or, or the mm. the Airbnb effect. Like those things are so simple that nobody saw them for years. Like how simple is it to mm-hmm. think that that I could rent that extra room out in my house <laughs> and make money yeah, or yeah, I could yeah. just drive my car to shuttle people around. Like, you know, it was just right in front of our face and that's how it is. And that's, and that's what the principles of 12 step programs and being grateful that I went through all that is, is that, um, and you can see it and it's in Trey's music and you can even see it in Garcia and you can see it in other people's. And that's the greatest thing about music is that whether you're conscious of it, it's, it's really bringing you together in that spiritual realm that what I mean why do you think when you go to a concert like you just feel that energy what is that energy I didn't create it mm-hmm. I didn't create it I'm just here a part of it and that and that's yeah. the part like you said like we're gonna we have the opportunity to tell our children to awaken to that and I I tell my son Porter it's like dude little buddy you can be whatever you want to be in this life but take them and he doesn't understand it and I'm not going to force it on him I'll just show him through my own actions but Take an attitude of service into what you're doing. If you want to be an engineer, go be an engineer and make $400,000 a year, but know that you're doing the good of being an engineer to help other people. You, when you go to work, you are there to serve the good of mankind. Or if you want to be a football player, go be a, cause he's going to be a big kid. I'm a, freaking big dude and athletic and mm-hmm. strong as shit and he's going to be that way too probably you can just see it but if you're going to go be a football player do that but know that within that team aspect you have an opportunity to be of service to the team and then to bring joy to everybody who's going to watch you on sunday afternoons and drink beer and and throw stuff at the tv like yeah <laughs> if, you, if you take that idea that you you are of service or if you're a rock yeah. star Look at Trey and look at that. I mean, what a great opportunity! That guy's still playing music because even though he's sober, everybody in the crowd is maybe half lit up. But right, right. Man, how much joy do people get and fulfillment from their own lives when that guy just says, "Yeah, hey, we're going on tour." Yeah, people get really, really happy.
0: <laughs> they may get sad about the ticket process, but <laughs>
1: well, hopefully that'll wreck rectify.
0: That's a whole uh, different story. Whole
1: podcast no. Uh,
0: <laughs> But I was talking about that with with Griffin House also and talking about the, I can't remember what he was saying, maybe it, what he was calling it the 12, but yeah, like yeah. the small group of people even that you are affecting in that way that I'm really happy like the book that Trey's daughter made for him and oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. his availability that has really kind of And I don't don't think we just are hearing about it now more because social media is that much stronger, but his availability to people and the way that we've been hearing more and more of these stories, kind of like what you're talking about, about how he is asking about them and he is really wanting to find out about these people that he's meeting and getting to hear... He's being completely selfless, but I think in... Most of those circumstances, if not all of them, in that selflessness, he is absolutely getting filled up as well because most of those people are probably telling him about how he has altered, bettered, changed their lives in one way or another, so...
1: It is Dude, and that's the, I remember last,
0: um, I'm going to pull
1: it up here. Um, cause we mentioned it in the other podcast, but we never read it all the way through. And I think we should. Um, so last when he did that GQ article, was the GQ, I forget what it was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the article we talked about his pre-show ritual where, um, mm-hmm. when he did the, he would go into the bathroom and he'd say the prayer of St. Francis. And it's funny cause Francis, if you're a Franciscan priest, so Father, so Saint Francis was the one who's brother Moon, sister Ocean, like he's the one that believed we're all, we're in communion with every everything and everybody around us. That the that when mm. when when Jesus spoke of the of the Christ, he meant the indwelling of God and everything. Like the universe itself mm-hmm. is a manifestation of the indwelling of the the divinity of the incredible knowledge. So anyway, without getting too theological, but so Trey is a perfect example of somebody on that spiritual path that when they follow this prayer, they're going to be the way Trey is very authentically because the prayer says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there's hatred. Let me bring love where there is injury. Let me bring forgiveness where there is doubt. Let me bring faith where there is despair. Let me bring hope where there is darkness. Let me bring light where there is sadness. Let me bring joy. Oh, divine master grant that I may Uh, not so much seek to be consoled as I, as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is by giving that we receive. It is by forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is by dying that we are born to eternal life. And that last one, by dying, we are born to eternal life. That means by dying of self, that my, me of myself, I, let that part of me go and I get that eternal bliss and and joy by being a part of humanity, (laughs) you know? And that's it, right? That's what he does. It's
0: like, it's better to give than it is to receive. And it all comes, it all comes back to you in some form or another. And even if, even if it does like, and again, something that I say all the time, but all the people that whose lives we touch in one way or another that we may never ever know about the goodness that comes out of that as well as like the things that we are doing that we may not realize how we are bettering our children's lives and that generation is like of the utmost importance
1: yep and our kids are watching how we treat others
0: oh oh my god that's a whole nother that's a that's not a podcast episode that's a whole freaking podcast that needs to like I tweet about this every once in a while, and I think I maybe said something recently that I was jumping on somebody else's tweet that they were yeah. talking about that. But how much our kids learn from us and these some of these viral videos that you see where you hear how somebody is talking to another person in front of their kids or whatever, it just makes those things hurt my heart more than almost anything yeah, else because too. it's just – Teaching them the evil is just so sad. Well, one of the things that
1: I try to adhere to that's a principle is that the truest measure of a man's character is how he treats those who can do absolutely nothing for him.
0: Because mm. mm-hmm. you can treat
1: the people that are that have something you need really well, but what about that person that, that, that can offer you nothing or give you nothing? How do you treat that person? Yeah. How do you treat the husband and wife that come to your concert um, to give you a book and some coffee? How do you treat them? Yeah. You treat them like you're equal. Are you show interest in them, or do you just say, "Hey, I'm glad you had a chance to meet me," and brush them off like another every other rock star?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Or or me, because
0: that's so easy to do. Yeah.
1: Or me and you. Like I always do this. Like if I go get donuts or coffee on a Saturday for for our family, like Dunkin' Donuts, I always make sure I tell that the person behind the counter because I really mean it is that look them in the eye and say, thank you so much for working on a Saturday morning to, to give me and my family coffee and donuts. Cause we really enjoy these donuts, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to work on a Saturday morning. I know you maybe didn't want to be here, but so thank you for being here. And they perk up, man, like, you might've just made their whole day. And then, yeah, that's awesome. Then they go home and, you know, say, holy cow, that job at Dunkin' Donuts really isn't that bad. You know, maybe I will go apply for that uh, junior college and, and do something, you know, and I'll stay there a little bit longer.
0: <laughs> yeah. no no and that one little thing that you said like that is so uh that's jason you just if if i co-host a podcast that just talks about maybe it'll be called like hashtag be better or something <laughs> like that that yeah i can't i can't say that enough like those little things i was just and this is going to sound very horn tooting of myself but my office mate and I will typically go out to lunch on Fridays and we will walk through the parking lot to our car or, or to his car, I'm sorry, but, or from his car to the restaurant that we're going to. And I, every single time and I will joke about this to my wife because he will have at least a couple of instances where he'll look at me and be like, why, why are you, who are you talking? To? Why are you talking to these people? Cause we'll just walk, walk by people and I'll, it it's very odd, I guess, in Southern California and especially in Orange True. County. People don't do this a lot, but I'll hey, how's it going? How are you doing today or whatever? And talk to people and he's like, Who why are you doing that? And I I know it may come off as totally goofy and weird, but okay. I think that <laughs> little bit of oddness to those people, but somebody being nice to them can like totally change their day. I think so. I
1: think and I think it's sad that you're correct that in today's age, that's odd and that's not correct society wise. It's like, you know, and mm-hmm. I grew up in an area where it's, it's that's the norm. Like, you know, being right. in a, the, the, uh, the line at the grocery store, like you, you just turn around and talk to the person behind you and ask them how they're doing. And they genuinely care and concern. I mean, that's the Midwest kind of anyway, but, and that boils back to like the whole thing this is about is like, I got that, you know, and it's, it's, in- inherited ability i love it because it's. i can use it to i used to use it to do a lot of dirty stuff um but mm-hmm. i had that ability to connect with people and say hi and like start a conversation and engage and and uh pull stuff out of them and, and be open and give stuff of myself so today i use that for positive and i got that from
0: my dad <laughs> yeah that's cool he's
1: the same way he's a very he's a big character and I love him to death, and I adore my stepdad too. I got to give him credit for giving me uh, a lot of good stuff growing up, financial. You know, he's a very frugal financial man, and that's kind of trickled over into our lives mm. too. And he was there you know, mm. when my dad wasn't. And he was a great stepfather too.
0: So that's that's one of those odd benefits of divorce is some some of the kids end up getting that uh cloaked blessing of an extra set of good parents
1: yeah well i did i always say like i have two sets of parents a mom and a dad that live on that side of town a mom and a dad that live on this side of town because it really was that way you know i mean it it might have not have seemed that way growing up because the disciplining when you're a step parent is kind of hands off as it maybe i don't know probably rightly should be i don't know but yeah i haven't had that experience and hopefully i never tricky. was tricky right but and god bless that parents that, they can come in and, and do that pick up the pieces after divorce and be willing to to uh to be a part of that because i don't know that's a really unique situation you know
0: yeah and we'll say god bless the good ones because <laughs> i know i've heard of plenty of <laughs> horrible stories of yeah um step parents and stuff so again just fits into the be good people don't be a dick
1: yeah um there's a reason yeah. why there's that saying beat them like a red-headed stepchild you know like free reign <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but there we are so it's like we're there we're we're trying our best to be good dads and i most days i succeed and some days my temper gets the best of me and i and i don't always behave like i want to but Thank God I have the ability to like, like right now, like at the end of the night, like the men I sponsor and and myself included, like we do this thing called a nightly review where we answer these questions, you know, had we been selfish today, you know, had we been there to help others and like, I have to turn my phone off at night because they keep coming through. Like I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 men that I sponsor that send me their nightly review. Wow. Uh, where what did you know? What did we do today? We, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day, and th- that's the tool I have at night. Was I selfish? Yeah, I, I you know, probably shouldn't have yelled at Porter at that point in time. I should have instructed him a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get to learn from that, Lord. I know I'm forgiven for it, and I move on to the next day, and realize that, uh, you know what, mm, I'm a good dad i love being a father (laughs) it's the greatest gift i've ever
0: gotten and none of us are perfect like uh, that's just the way it is like there is no (laughs) perfect human or perfect parent out there so
1: and i don't wear lululemon pants and i don't have the we don't drive the range rover and (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's
0: okay
1: judge a little bit you know what? one of the funny things is so i'm a crossfit coach and I'm a strength athlete, pretty strong guy. (laughs) Like I remember picking my son up from this, uh, this cookie cutter daycare place. And like, I look around all the dads like, yeah, I'm, I'm the, I'm the fittest Mm -hmm. dad and CrossFit the whole thing, the fittest guy in the world, fittest in the gym. I'm definitely the fittest dad at this freaking daycare. (laughs) (laughs) I tell (laughs) it to my wife and she'd just shake her head like, you're insane. (laughs) Let me win. I got to win at something in my life.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a, little, it's a thing. little thing. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Jason, oh, for coming yeah. on and telling all of your stories. And um, yeah. thank you for for being an awesome supporter and part of Osiris. Yeah. Like I, I know I said this on Twitter the other day to some extent, but really like I I feel like there are some people that are not podcasters in Osiris that feel like they're just as much a part of the network and i think that's amazing because like i don't know i i don't know who invests in it from my part i know that you know rj and and tom know who those people are probably but there's a couple guys uh, or i should say there are a couple of people out there that i know are very much a part of the quote-unquote network and i feel like you are absolutely part of that so i appreciate all of your support and everything that you do absolutely with osiris with the different podcasts and everything and as a human uh and a dad and a man and a son and a husband and everything um i truly sincerely appreciate who you are how you present yourself live your life help others um do the work to make this a better place so i really yeah. do appreciate that thanks i that's that means a lot because you don't uh
1: you know you don't always get the thanks for it but that's okay that my thanks come and smiles and laying my head down on the pillow but yeah man i really appreciate it i thank yeah. you for for what you did man i remember the first one i listened to it might have been rj or right before that and then uh listen to all the ones that you've done since and I really enjoy it and anything that can help me to to be a better dad I'm always I always want other dads inputs because we're as much as you know we are good dads and there's information out there it's just it's not you know maybe we're on the you know the uh the forefront of of uh fatherhood you know growing as dad because it's yeah. just not there yet it's it's better than what it was but um, we got to kind of learn from each other,
0: you know? Yeah. No, I you agree. Know? All right. Well, um, so you guys should go find Jason on Twitter. It's his name, Jason Ronk. And um, you can see his musings and uh, various things on there and his shout outs for, for coffee yeah, and my, whatever. My goofy kids. They're... I
1: tend to put up there more. Than anything. <laughs> Yeah, or yeah. mostly my retweets. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Okay, I've, I've yet to master the art of Twitter. I don't think I ever will. I can't come up with catchy stuff. That's okay.
0: Quickly. <laughs> so that's okay. That's what your drafts folder is for. Uh, yeah. What's a draft folder? <laughs> no, no. Oh, we'll it's get into that kid. off then. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Yeah. No problem. Okay. And that is the conclusion in totality of my conversation with Jason Ronk cut into two parts. I hope you enjoyed both segments of the conversation, part one and this part, part two. I'm not going to record a whole new outro here, but I did record this new little segment to clarify and when I made the decision to cut it into two parts. So here is my regular outro. I don't know. That's kind of a weird segue, but I'm just going to keep talking and saying things and let's pretend like none of this happened. There's no splice in the tape or anything. Again, I can't say enough thanks and good things to and about Jason. His life clearly went in a specific way, and he what he is using that for, and how he is living his life now, and how he has chosen to affect other people and help other people through the way that his life went, I, I can't give enough kudos and applause and respect to him for what he is doing and what he has done. So, Jason... I won't use it because I don't use sound effects, but there's just a huge applause sound effect going right now. And my hat is off to you. You can look for me on social media and drop me a line there. I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all as Daddy Unscripted. So continue to bring me some awesome people that you know that are like Jason, that I may not know, that I can have on the show, that can inspire other people with their stories and tell us about their parents, their dad, them being a parent, whatever those things are. If you know those people, send them my way. Send me a message with their email or whatever way to reach out to them. And hey, if this inspired you and said, you know what? Trey is my neighbor and you need to have Trey on your podcast to talk about his dad and him being a dad, then reach out to me. Let me know. Reach out to Trey. Let him know. Because there are these people, and I know it's reaching, but there are some of these people, and I will say this, like when I was watching Between Me and My Mind, the Trey documentary that came out this year, it was difficult to not do this. I'm sure I'm not alone in this but all of the parenting stuff that was smacking me in the face and making me think about it. And yes, there was a part of me that was like, man, I want to sit and talk with Trey's dad. But also, like, I would love to hear more about Trey's dad from him and him being a dad and all of that. So I will admit, like, there are those people that are like, Yeah, I'm probably never going to have David Ortiz on my podcast, but it would be kind of cool to sit and talk about his dad and him being a dad. And so there are those people that I think we can still learn from their stories, even if we are not living a life like them. I 100% believe there are some great lessons and stories from all of these people that even, I will use Griffin House's thing, even 12 of us are going to benefit from. And isn't that good? That's still good. 12 out of however many those people could go on to affect, I'm. Um, do I need to go through this whole math thing again? The thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that are getting affected, they all come back to the one. They all come back to that one person. And I want to be that one person because I want to affect people positively the way I'm getting affected positively from some of these people I'm talking to. But I also know that I want to talk to those one people. So if you know who that one person is that I need to have on the podcast, make that happen. I appreciate that. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate each and every one of you who are listening and the best way for you to help me appreciate you more is by reaching out. So let's keep this going. Let's keep this ball rolling. I love what is happening here. And I know it feels or sounds kind of horn tootie for me to say that, but it is not because I'm loving what I'm doing. Or I feel like I'm doing amazing things. Or this is awesome because I'm doing it. It's not that. It's what you guys are doing and what my guests are doing. And I'm just trying to help keep putting it out there. Because of the couple of people even that I hear from randomly that are saying like, what good they got out of X podcast episode with such and such person. And that means a lot to me. And that one response even will keep this going. But I love you guys. I love everything that is happening and I love all of the support and the interest and the passing along that you guys are doing of these episodes and of this podcast. I really do appreciate it because it all comes back to why this is happening and that is a testimony to the people who aren't here anymore, oh man, I'm getting emotional, who Inspired this thing to happen and who will not even know or realize that, but it feels good to me for this goodness to come full circle to those people like my dad, like my friend who is no longer here living with us, like all of these other people who have affected my life, who have pushed me in a direction of doing something like this. So I genuinely massively appreciate each and every one of you. Okay, and it is time to now try to say goodbye to you by saying "lendümbena," which is have a good journey. I hope wherever you guys are going this week that you have a good journey and in the couple weeks to come before our next episode, which should be out in another two or three weeks. Keep an eye out for that. And make sure you just keep in touch with me and check out the social media for all goings-ons about new and old episodes as well. Thanks, you guys.